striped uh, evangelist over there? <laughs> or no, we're not at that one. We're at the, the blue, real pretty blue. It's striped too. But we're going to be looking at the evangelist today, the gift of the evangelist to the church. How many know the gift of the evangelist is a gift? We're not just saying that. It's a gift. Sometimes the evangelist isn't looked at as a gift. Sometimes the evangelist is looked at as one who's kind of irritating people. And sometimes the evangelist is looked at and made to be felt that they're irritating the pastor. They're ruffling some feathers. But that is not the case. God, Jesus gave us these gifts. And, and I believe that Jesus gave each a part of himself. Jesus was the greatest evangelist there ever was. The greatest evangelist there was. So Jesus gives a part of himself to the church. And we get that part. And it's awesome that we have the evangelists that come. And they're in our midst. And I'm talking specifically today about the office of evangelist. That means that there's an extra grace given. How many know that every single one of us have been called to evangelize? Yeah. So we don't just get to say, well, that, that works just for those evangelists. No, the Great Commission is to every single Christian. You, and it's not, a, it's not a, like if you feel like it. It's a command given from someone in authority. It's go into the world and make disciples. So I'm not talking about that all of us, the natural gifting that every single one of us have to evangelize. I'm talking about the office of the evangelist. The office of the evangelist is someone that's been graced with an extra measure of grace for leadership in the church. And he will, as all the rest of them we see in, in Ephesians. Now, I'm going to read this passage, and this time I'm reading the New Living Translation. I've read it in King James for about six weeks or seven or I don't know how many. But I wanted to read it in a little different wording, especially the last part, so that you'll, you'll get a, a fit for this. So it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. I love gifts, don't you? The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. And the pastors and teachers, their responsibility, not just one, but their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. This will continue. So it's not done. This will continue until we, who? The church, the body, all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then, I love that, we will no longer, so it hasn't happened yet. Then, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Hey, church. This isn't might, this is going to happen. It is happening now. That is why we must teach on these things. That is why we bring the truth out, we bring out all of the scripture, and we understand that the days and the times that we're in, there's people, and it's not, we like to pick on the prophets a lot, we like to say false prophets. There's false pastors, there's false teachers, there's false apostles, there's every single gift, there's a false. How many know that the, the enemy, he, he is like equal opportunity offender, he will try to pervert anything and everything that God has. Anything that's of any value, he will try to counterfeit or pervert it in a way to cause destruction. Now, all that does for me is shows me and encourages me that he really hates that and he really knows it's powerful, so he tries to twist it and tries to disregard it. That, all that should do for us is not focus so much on the fact that there is false, but we must understand that not every single thing in this day and age that people say and bring are the truth. 
it will be very tricky. And, and the, look, look at the words. It says, people will try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So what should we really have a solid grasp on in this day and age, church? The truth. If, if you want to be able to tell if something's counterfeit or not, you better get good at knowing what the real is. Amen? Amen? Like people that work at a bank, they really, if you handle regular money enough, it does, it's not hard to pick out the counterfeit because you've handled the real. Like when I was a jeweler and Paul was training me and his son taught me how to evaluate diamonds. It was very easy after a while to be able to see, right? I mean, you could see it from a ways off just how the flash, it was a slower flash. The facets aren't as sharp on something that's fake. Now they make some pretty tough ones. But, and isn't that interesting? As, as days are getting, it's tougher and tougher to tell the fake. But you better know the real church. So people who don't have this and you're not familiar with this and you haven't had this feed you and speak to you, it'll be a lot easier to be twisted and manipulated and led astray. Aren't you glad that the word tells us that ahead of time? Aren't you glad that, that God is so wise to teach us what we need? So it'll sound like the truth. Instead, what will we do? We will speak the truth in love. Church, that is what John called in, in 1 John and 2 John. He said we should do in the day and the time where the Antichrist spirit is. We are called to speak the truth in love. That is what, what stands up against that Antichrist spirit. If, if the church, in, in the days of the church being this little passive kumbaya, um, well, we're just happy and blessed with everything. No, we're not. The church is to stand up and speak the truth. Now, we are to speak the truth in love. From a heart that's like Christ, that he sees every single person on the planet, he loves. He loves them dearly. So we speak the truth from that point, from that place of that many of them are misled and deceived, just like we were. Many of them are lost and broken, just like we were. So we don't come from a holier-than-thou attitude or like, like we're so smart, we have the truth, and you guys are dumb, you don't have it. We're coming to speak the truth and love out of a place of compassion and out of a place to know that you're, you've been misled, you don't know the truth, so we come and we bring the truth. Now listen to me. The Bible tells us if we know the truth, the truth does what? Okay, so if the world isn't free, whose fault is it? Who's, whose fault is it if the, if the world isn't free today? Whose job is it to bring the truth? How many times does it say, speak the truth in love? Speak the truth in love. Church, speak the truth in love. But today it's been real popular, and, and, and we as the church, and I will even say um, the, the young generation gets a lot of blame, but I will tell you how they get there. How they get there. So this has been happening for some time, and now we want to go, well, man, if these guys are get together, you need to look at yourself. Look at yourself, shake yourself, and say, am I speaking the truth in love? When these opportunities are coming up, when, when people are sharing things that are anti-Bible, they're anti-Christ, in my midst, am I saying anything? Because if you're not saying anything, you have no right to be pointing the finger. But you are called to speak the truth in love. You are called to be light in the darkness. You are not to sit there and hide your light. The light will offend people. That's not the intention. It's not our intention, but the light will offend the light will cause darkness to pull back. The darkness is going to go, I hate the light. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus told us they hated me. So if we are being the light and being the truth like he is right, they will hate us. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. 
So listen, if, if no one has a problem with you being a Christian today, you're probably not Christianing right. <laughs> the name Christian is like little Christ. So it shouldn't be everyone's excited to see you. Darkness should be like, oh, snap. Here comes light. Depression should be like, oh, snap. Here comes joy. Sickness should be like, oh, snap. Here comes deliverance. Here comes healing, which are very similar. Those two like to run together. Is, am I saying something different than Bible? So if it's not happening today, what's wrong? We're not doing it. Paul's an evangelist. This guy has the, the, an office of evangelism. I said, I said, I'm preaching about evangelism today. Paul, he said, that's awesome. I said, he goes, the best thing about evangelism. I go, what? He goes, do it. <laughs> that's, that's what an evangelist would say. Don't talk about it. Do it. Amen? So that's what we're preaching about. We're preaching about evangelism, the gift of the evangelist to the church. The evangelist will stir the church up. The evangelist will make you uncomfortable if you're not evangelizing. Thank God. Thank God the evangelist will wake us up. We'll say, hey, do you hear the voices of those who are that are suffering? Do you hear the voices of those who are dying? Do you hear the lost that are crying out? The evangelist will do that. The evangelist... I have a few different things, and, and thank you, Lord. The Lord reminded me of another thing of an evangelist, which you're going to hear a few here in a second. But an evangelist is one. I was, I was with the, our family two years ago, I think now, down in Southern California on a vacation, and we were, what beach? I don't know. It's down south, one of the beaches. And, and I like to go out, like, above my head and feel the power of the ocean. And I just, I stay out there for a long time. I'll come in, like, check on Janine. Everything good? Yeah? Okay. Back out. So I've been out there for quite a while, and there was a tide that was kind of starting to, to pull out. So I'm like, well, I'm getting, actually, I'm getting kind of tired. I think I'm going to come in. And as I started coming in, I'm like, oh, man, it's actually pulling a little bit. And as I was starting to come in, I heard someone start crying for help. And I look back, and there's a guy who's, and I'd seen him. He was out there about like where I was, but he was probably another 30, 40 yards down the, down the um, beach. And I'm, if I, I want to sound like a superhero, but I wasn't. I was tired, and I heard his cry, and my first thing, I looked back and I went, oh no, I don't, I don't know if I can get him. Like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But then, that cry, I have to go. I have to go. So I swam out there, and, and he was like going down and coming up, and, and then, I don't know if you ever, they're, they're not like kind of nice <laughs> he wasn't he was he was like wanting to drown me so i had i seriously had to grab him i said hey i'll leave you if you try to drown me and he was like okay he goes but i can't swim i said no you have to you have to and i said you're going to and i grabbed a hold of him one arm and i started side swimming with him and he was no don't stop don't stop and we just finally we made it thank god finally we get to where we can stand in the 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 lifeguard yes. no don't clap that the lifeguard came and that's what an evangelist is he's a lifeguard 
evangelist hears those cries of those people who are out there, and they go, we got to go get them. If we don't get them, they're going to drown. And they're drawn by that. Now, I didn't share the story because, listen, I would love to say, like, it was just instantaneously that I was like, boom, I'm going. It wasn't. The truth is, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I'm not probably your best lifeguard. (laughs) I was thinking about myself a little bit going, oh, man. Evangelists, yeah, you're not, I don't know too many people are going to sit there and watch somebody die. But we as the church do it every day. So how does an evangelist, my first point, I got, I got there pretty quick again, Richard. This was like a couple of weeks ago. I got to my first point about 45 minutes in, I think. So we're rolling. We're up 10, maybe 15 in, first point. The question of today, how does the evangelist build up the church? You see, the, the office of the evangelist isn't just to win the lost. It's to build up the church. Why the gift of the evangelist was given to the church was to build up the church for the work of the ministry. Amen? So how does the evangelist do that? It's a great question, church. Thank you for asking that. Well, the evangelist is not only a lifeguard. I would say, how many of you remember being in school um, as you started to become a senior? There was these people from the military that started coming to the high school. You guys remember what they were called? Recruiters. Evangelists are recruiters. Evangelists are recruiters. Now, I don't know if this is biblical or not, but there's like branches of service. One, one United States, but there's branches of service. You got with Army, Air Force, Marines, Navy, Coast Guard. So you could say the evangelist is a branch of the ministry, which we see it's a part of Christ. Now, the evangelists I see is they're recruiters. They're those who are going and they're going, hey, I see some things in you. Like, they're going to those going, you know you need to join up. You need to serve. Like, I told the first service, um, there was, uh, we were watching American Idol. Um, and, and you see this thing in American Idol. It's so weird. They, the, if, they, if they pass the muster, right, what do they get? Does anyone know? They go and they get a gold ticket, right? And then they come out and they're all excited. Everyone's excited and they're going, you're going to Hollywood, and everyone screams and shouts, right? It's, it's exciting. Well, I was thinking, looking at it, going, man, that's like what an evangelist does when someone gets saved. He's like giving them the golden ticket. They're like, you're going to heaven. <laughs> like, and everyone should be screaming and shouting and celebrating, like way more than a stupid golden ticket to, to Hollywood, right? Like, Holly, I don't know if you've been down there. <laughs> like, Hollywood. <laughs> like, I, I, let's go to heaven. Let's not go to Hollywood. I mean, but... But that, that, that recruiting of an evangelist, it's just in them to be a natural recruiter. You can almost call them in today's day and age, they're, they're gifted like um, headhunters. You see for companies, there's people, they're looking for like some of the brightest and the best, and they're looking to get people to come onto their team, and they're, they're out, they're headhunters. And, and, but evangelists are super awesome. They're not just looking for the best and the brightest, they're like, they have a pulse. <laughs> I think there's a soul in there. Let's go rescue it, right? They're not picky, but, but they're like that. They're like, everyone that doesn't have Jesus is an option, right? The evangelist is not picky. They're just like, oh, there's one, there's one. And you don't want to go places with real evangelists. I'm just saying, you're not going to get very far. You're going to go to the grocery store to be a two-hour endeavor, 
because there's people in the grocery store that don't know Jesus. We need those kind of people in our body. You're going to go somewhere and it's like, we're not evangelizing today, right? And they're like, we're on vacation. Yeah. But the airplane is a beautiful place to evangelize. Where are they going to go? I, I, I think I got every person, they heard the gospel. I don't know if they all got saved or not, but when we flew to Africa, and I was like on this, I was witnessing to everybody. So I was like, dude, this is a target-rich environment. We got a nine-hour flight, no, it was 12 to London and then nine to Kenya. I'm like, everyone's going to hear about Jesus on this plane. Like, they are. And guess what? They did. You get, I'd go stand there. It was like, people get tired of sitting. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> it was awesome. I go, when I had hair, I would go to places, different places to get my hair cut because I would learn like, they're stuck like Chuck. They're going to have to cut my hair for like a half hour. You know what they're going to hear? They're going to hear my testimony. They're going to hear it. And I learned that when I was in Teen Challenge. First time I went and got my hair cut. They, those hairstylists always ask you questions. Where are you from? Like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, well, I'm in a discipleship group. What's that? Explain that. Oh, this is easy. And then everyone that's getting their hair cut, they're all listening going, oh, my gosh. Like, wow. The whole hair place got evangelized. So then I started learning. I'm like, dude, I should go to a different hair place. You guys, that's for all of us. That's not just for the weird evangelists. That's for us Christians. Last time I checked, he said to go into all the world. All the world. And make what? Okay, well, how do you do that if we don't open our mouth? Because it's really cool today for like people to say, well, I share my faith and I use words when necessary. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sharing Jesus and, and I just, I let my life speak. <laughs> Stop it. You ain't telling nobody nothing if you ain't opening your mouth. Well, I wear a Christian t-shirt. Well, so what? I, had a, I used to have a Christian license plate for him. I had to take it off my truck. The Lord convicted me. <laughs> it's like, you're going to drive like the devil. You better take that Christian thing off your plate. <laughs> I wasn't mature enough to quit driving like the devil, so I was like, I'll just take the thing off. Now, you guys are laughing because you know you do some of the same stuff. I, I, yeah, don't, don't put the fish sticker on your car unless you drive the speed limit, right? But I do think there's like the church has lost its sense of joining and, and being recruited into the military. Like when I grew up as a kid in church, how many of you remember there was this little song that made it very plain for us? I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never ride. Right? What happened? We preach and we teach anymore about like warfare, about the church being a movement or being an army. And people literally, the church, I hear stuff like this. Well, I don't really like that. I don't like to hear about that. No, you think it's not funny. I don't like to hear, like, why, Pastor, you seem like you're, you, you talk about fighting a lot. I'm like, because um, we're in a fight? Like, I think it's kind of my job to help equip you. 
Like, what part of the armor of God are we not understanding? What do you think you have armor for? He could have called this a book. No, it's called a sword. That's an offensive weapon. Because you are in a fight. And it's a fight for your life. And for everyone else who's around you. So I think we, we, the church needs to wake up. Realize, look, he recruited you. You were recruited. And just like when you got recruited in the military, like, it wasn't optional from that point forward. I, I'm pretty sure they're not like, hey, if you guys want to, if it feels right, if you want to get around 9 o'clock or 10, you know, whatever feels good. And then, like, you don't have to, but if you want to, it's recommended that we're going to go march a little bit and run. But, I, you know, if it's offensive to, to work out hard, you know, you know you, there's a weapons. If you want them, you don't need them. What? Like, I'm not afraid of that army. The enemy is not afraid of that army. The enemy will be like, you guys are good. He will bring false prophets, false pastors, false teachers to say, good job. Keep it up. Second service, you guys got bonus material. Let me say, that was fresh from the Holy Spirit. Like, he will. He will raise up people to be like, go ahead and sleep in. It's okay. And then there's like very few that are going like, get up. Well, I don't like them. That's not very encouraging. What? Are you serious? trying to save your life and the lives of everyone else around you these beautiful gifts they're to raise you up train you equip you for the work of the ministry shocker it's work (laughs) he uses the term laborers that means it's work Pray. It was it wasn't probably much different in that day. Jesus, is like, pray for laborers. We got enough chiefs. Pray for laborers. Church, that's us. Thank God for evangelists. They have this dynamic personality and they're able to draw people into discussions and decisions about Jesus. If you are the type of person, not, not everyone has the office ministry of evangelists, okay? I told the first service. Um, what was the guy's name, Richard? Do you remember the, from, from Ferris Bueller's day off? You guys remember the, the teacher? He would do this. He would, Bueller. Ben Stein. Ben Stein is not an evangelist. <laughs> I can tell you straight up because this is how Ben Stein talks. He, Bueller. going to sleep like huh like ben stein that's not god's gift to ben stein he's not an evangelist like if that is your person you're probably not an evangelist an evangelist has a personality that it's like awake it's alive and it's like they're on they're going hey and you're like whoa like wow but but people are drawn to him too like they have this ability they draw people god god has gifted the office of evangelist with that type of a personality they usually do pretty well in sales recruiting Getting, building teams, getting people to come around them, like they have that type of dynamic in their life. That doesn't tell us, church, the rest of us who aren't the most dynamic folks, well, that's just for them to do. 
No, they have that extra grace gifting so that they can gather us and train us and teach us and build us up so we can go do the work. But they do have some dynamics in them. They often remind the church, and here's where they offend people. They often remind the church there are still non-Christians outside that need to be reached by Jesus. Because we like to come here and feel really good about ourselves. I do. I love coming here. Like, and that's not bad. It's not a bad thing to want to come to church. But it's a bad thing if we look around us every Sunday and we see the same folks and the same empty seats and we're okay with that. Like, that's not okay. Like, it's not okay. It, it's, it should, if that's happening, that means the evangelist isn't probably doing his job. And that means the church isn't doing their job of being the evangelist. The evangelist isn't shaking people, isn't, or they've been so squashed and slapped down and, and shot down that they're like, I'll just do it myself. That ought not be. Like, it should be every single one of us that when we come to the, to the church, and if this isn't your church, wherever your church is, you should look around. And if you see the same folks every day, or you sit down and there's some seats that are empty next to yours, you should be motivated to go, I bet I could find someone to get their butt in this seat. If you believe what's coming from the pulpit, if you believe what's coming from the worship team, if you believe the body that's in, the bo in this church loves people and wants to pour out into people, then you should be dragging people here. Hey, I've been in churches as an, a, a person who was sharing my faith often, and it would crush me. I was in a church for a season, and I would get people saved. And I would lead them to the Lord, and they go, well, where do you go to church? And I'd be like, I can't really bring you with me because you're not going to get fed. You're not going to get loved on. You're not going to get encouraged. I don't think you can say that here. I don't believe you can. You're going to get loved on. You're going to get fed. You're going to get built up and encouraged. You're going to get strengthened. So then what's the problem? Now, some of you, some of you, it's so beautiful. There's some of you, like the woman at the well, tasted, seen, go, oh my gosh. And they're like, pew, run, run, oh my gosh. I've, I've heard so funny. You should go to New Life. Their youth group is amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And people get tired of hearing it. That's someone who actually believes that. Oh, you should come to church. You should come with me. Like, they should have a drug problem. You drug them. <laughs> you got to knock them out first? No. <laughs> that might be a little excessive. <laughs> Whatever works, right? <laughs> we'll lay hands on them. <laughs> they can recover. <laughs> but that evangelist is going to constantly, constantly... Be reminding the church, hey, this is good, but there's still more out there. There's still more out there. There's still more out there, and church is gonna it's gonna get challenging at times because here's here's what we naturally do. Each one of these offices and each one of us as human beings, we think what we believe and see is what everyone else should. Am I telling the truth? 
Most of us, if we're honest, will say, what I think, what I believe, how I see it, is where everyone else should. And if that was the case, then we don't have five beautiful gifts that have a lane of ministry that each one of us should be being poured into by so that we go and do the work. Each one of us have different gift mixes. And it's, as the scripture told us, we so need each one of them because it builds uh, just us being here. We strengthen one another. We encourage one another. We speak to one another. We bring that part, and we're a part of the body. And the whole body gets nourished by one another, by design. So even though sometimes that evangelist is kind of stepping on your toes, reminding you that, hey, there's still people out there. It was good that you're here, but there's still a bunch of people that aren't. Amen? Thank God for that gift. They often, evangelists, the office especially, the, the one that's been gifted with that leadership role, has been gifted great insight, been gifted oftentimes a plan on how to reach and articulate the gospel to non-believers. That person, male or female, doesn't matter, there could be a few, but God will give them insight. Hey, so it's not like sometimes we're just like, Hey, we should, we should go share our faith. And some of us are like, okay, um, like how, do, how should we do that? I don't know. Like, where should we go? I don't know. Like, well, what time? I don't know. That ain't going to be the, the thing with the, the office of evangelists. They're going to be like, so check it out. Here's the plan. At 8 o'clock, we're going to do this. At 9 o'clock, we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to be, people are going to be getting saved. And then we're going to need somewhere to baptize them. Like, they're going to have a plan. Like, that God is going to give them. And you know what? If we will listen to that and get on board, good things are going to happen. Amen? You don't have to be the one that comes up with the plan, but the evangelist, that person, he's going to have a natural gifting towards that. And they will train and equip and teach the rest of the body so that there will be a bunch of evangelists running around. Amen? Yes. Amen. This is one that's not optional. This is one of the things. It's not, it's not optional that we share our faith. It's like basic. It's like basic. Like, and it should be natural. Like, dude, I was a wretch. I was lost. I was headed for hell, and I got saved. And then we see other people that are in that same condition. We're just like, nah, go to hell. No, you're like, oh, my gosh. Let me tell you. Oh, my gosh. You don't have to keep going down that road. Like, that's just normal Christianity. Amen? That can be done on a one-on-one. Their call, here, here's something about how does the evangelist build the church up. Their call is so strong that even in the midst of their own hardships, their own struggles, they teach the church it is always the right time to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. They have a call that's in them that is such a strong call from the Lord. And thank God that we get to see from them through example, even through their hardships, even through their darkest times, even through struggles, they are still moved with compassion for the lost. And it is so good to have people like that in your midst so that it's always there before you, that you always see it's like, yep. Like, when's it a good time to not witness? And evangelists were like, what are you talking about? It's always a good time. Paul and Noreen were just sharing with me earlier. They were saying, we've never had a bad time evangelizing. They use their time when they go out. They're like, it's, it's also a date time. Like, they'll pull aside and take time away just to go have some clam chowder, to go walk along the pier, and then go back out. I'm like, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That, that's a good teaching right there, right? It's not just all drudgery. Like, we need folks like that to, to train us and equip us, amen? So, cool, we still got time to get in the Word. 
Acts chapter 8. I'm going to mute this for a second because I apologize. I got allergies and I need to. All right. Acts chapter 8. Um, I'm going to come down here. It is hot up on that pulpit, you guys. Good Lord. It feels a lot better down here. So, to this point in the book of Acts, um, Stephen was just martyred. Saul is, is running around persecuting the church, and the church is beginning to scatter. Um, they were all scattered. The only ones who didn't leave Jerusalem really are the apostles. So the apostles and some of the, um, even the deacons, even, even, even as we see Philip is scattered. Um, the church is being scattered. And, and that's where we land to in verse 4 of chapter 8. And it says, therefore, so I just gave you the therefore. Amen. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. I, like, I love how the Bible, the Bible gives us these details. Because we see, the Bible said they went everywhere. And then we see, but Philip went to Samaria. So they didn't go everywhere. They went everywhere they were comfortable. True? They went everywhere they were comfortable going. Philip, watch, everywhere preaching the word, yay, right? That's good. They're scattered. They're going everywhere preaching the word. It says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Philip was an evangelist. <clears throat> You're going to see this in evangelists. They go places that most of us don't want to. The Bible said they went everywhere. The church went all over, but they didn't go to Samaria. Why? They hated Samaritans. They were despised dogs. They were beneath them. They were the drudges. They would, when they would travel, they would walk all the way around Samaria. They wouldn't go. The short route was to just go. No, they would go out of their way through the desert to not go into Samaria. <clears throat> but Philip, thank God for evangelists. Philip actually believed the word and said, go into the world and start in Jerusalem, go to Samaria, Judea, to the ends of the earth. So Philip was like, oh, I think I heard Samaria. No one's going there. Philip goes to Samaria. Now look what happens. And I believe God will bless and anoint when we go. There's certain miracles, certain things are going to happen in your life from the obedience of going. I've watched it firsthand in my life that when I've been obedient to go, God will meet me there. And you see this happening with Philip. Look, look at what happens. It says, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Oh, aren't, I bet they were glad Philip went. Hearing and seeing the miracles. So they didn't just hear and preach. They saw the miracles, which he did. Listen to this. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice. I, oh, isn't that beautiful? It just, unclean spirits crying. Yes! That just made me smile. I was like, unclean. You, so let me have, that's demonic spirits. Demon spirits crying. That makes me smile. Philip's doing good work. Demonic spirits are crying with a loud voice and coming out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Hey, when evangelists come into town, 
They make a ruckus. <laughs> hey, that was a good, that's a good deal. They start preaching, the multitudes came. Now, isn't it cool that Jesus, remember Jesus, where did he go? He went to Samaria. He met the woman at the well. And they were like, no, we're not, we're, you're going the wrong way. What are you doing? I'm pretty sure Jesus knew there would come a day that Philip was going to go to Samaria. He had planted seed there. He had already scattered some seed. They saw Jesus do miracles. So now Philip goes, and he's about 10 miles out, and he begins to preach. So there, and, and Peter's, or Philip's doing the miracles that Jesus did. So they're like a very captive audience, and they're like, everyone's listening. Now this gets good. Now I also want to remind you, church, there's this thing that happens. Um, there was great joy in the city. Church, where the gospel is ministered, where salvation happens, where deliverance happens, there's supposed to be great joy. The church should be the most joyful people there are in the planet. Like, you shouldn't have to fake it to make it when it comes to joy. Like, you should wake up. Like, I do. I wake up, and I'm like, I'm alive. This is good. I'm not in jail. This is really good. I'm in my right mind. I'm not high. This is great. Like, church, some of you probably weren't far from that. But some of you who, maybe you didn't have those things. But if you didn't know Jesus, you were lost, you were broken, and you were hopeless. Yes. And now you've been found, you have hope, and you're not broken. That's a good day. Like, there's joy in that. There's joy in the life as a believer. Like, the world, like, the, I believe like a lot of times the world don't want to come to church. They don't want to come to Jesus because we don't have joy. We're like, Bueller. You want to come to church? It's really awesome. It's radically changed my life. Uh, no, thank you. You go ahead and keep that. I'm going to get high. Hey, that's real. But if you come and you're excited and you have hope and you have peace and you're in your right mind and you're like, there's power behind the things you're saying. And when you speak, they start crying for no reason. They're like, what is that? Well, that's just being a Christian. That's just being someone who got found. That's being someone who found some bread who was starving. They're like, hey, I know a good place to eat. Y'all hungry? And if you look like you've been eating good, they might follow. Amen? But if you sound like them, you're just as depressed as they are. You're complaining about the same things they're complaining about. You're talking about the same news stories that they're talking about, and you're what? You want to come with me? Well, no, I don't need to go anywhere. I got you right here. Hey, church, the day's getting short. The times are getting short. Like there's there's like one thing that really should be on our mind a lot. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about him. If you don't know him, let me tell you about him. And then, yes, they should be able to look at us and see the effect of Christ in our life. There should be a testimony to that, amen? So, uh-oh, there's a but. How many know that as you start getting good with the Lord and the Lord starts moving, there's a but? How many, like, you start, God starts doing things and God starts moving in the church and then there's a but, right? Look at this but. It says, but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria. 
claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. Woo. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Now, let me tell you, the enemy might have a but, but God has a bigger one. (laughs) And I know that doesn't sound good, but it's just the truth. I don't know how else to say it. Like the enemy had a butt in here, but I circled, like you can see in my Bible, I have like an orange circle around that butt, but then there's like a big orange and yellow circle around this butt. This butt's bigger. <laughs> it's just a good reminder. Hey, listen to this butt. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were what? <laughs> Baptized. Now there's a little key here. What happened first? They believed. How, what comes into salvation? You believe. When, when an evangelist, when you're sharing your faith, when, do they, when are they in the boat with you? When they believe that boat's going to save them, right? When they take the parachute, as Ray Comfort would say, we're going to have to jump out of this plane? I need a parachute. <clears throat> they believed. That's salvation. So salvation comes backed up by baptism. So we know they got saved and they were baptized. Now watch. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So he followed Philip. He's watching Philip. And I think he's trying to see what kind of tricks at first. What's Philip doing? Like, how's he doing that? Like, what kind of sorcery? What kind of witchcraft is he using? And he sees like, holy smokes, like that ain't, that's for real. And he starts believing. He puts his faith in Christ. He gets baptized. Now look. Now when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that day that they might what? Wait a minute. I thought they got the Holy Spirit when they got saved. Hey, this is going to mess up some people's theology or mess it right. But here's what happened. We know it says they believed. You you are saved by faith. Yes, Yes. by believing. Backed up by they were water baptized. Yes. The apostles come down because they're hearing Samaria is getting like smacked with the gospel. Good things are happening. Even sorcerer, the biggest sorcerer in town now is a Christian. So the apostles come down not to try to like squash it, not try to take control of it, to come and help. They're coming alongside the evangelist, coming alongside to equip, to train, to teach. And what's the first thing that the apostles ask? Have they been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh Uh-uh. They just right off the bat, look what they do. They start praying. This is they pray that they would, that they would, uh, might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet had not fallen upon none of them. They had been saved, they had been water baptized, but the Holy Spirit had not fallen on none of them. So what do they do? They had only been baptized. I love how God, the Bible makes it so clear for us, right? He's like, let me help you with your theology. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw, now here's how we know they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
church, Simon saw miracles. Simon saw demons come out of people. Simon saw paralyzed people not paralyzed anymore. He didn't try to buy that. But what Simon tries to buy is the power of the Holy Spirit that when the apostles laid their hands on them, the power of God Almighty came on them, and Simon was so blown away by that, the sorcery, he goes, I want to buy that. That's not my words. Listen. They received the Holy Spirit, and when Simon saw that, though through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this what? Power. That's the real deal. When that man is willing to purchase what God done through his sovereignty. Now listen, it's it's not, it doesn't mean that you have to call apostles to come lay their hands on you. Because all throughout, like you see different times in Acts, the apostles weren't there and they didn't lay hands on them. The Holy Spirit just fell on them. When, they, when it first landed on the early church, there was no apostles there to lay hands on them. It just hit them. So it's not a magic formula. It's not a formula. But Simon was so impressed that he literally, he tries to buy the position. Because that's what he knows. He goes, he goes back. and Poor guy. He starts going back into his old life. I used to have, he used to have power. He used to be looked at even as a God. And now he sees these men who come down and he didn't try to buy Philip's power to heal and and to, to, he tries to buy the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what, listen to what Peter says. He says, but, but Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God, that's another title of the baptism of the Holy Spirit You thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Church, we need evangelists in our life. Listen to what the evangelist did, Pete or Philip. He went and preached the gospel. There were signs and wonders and miracles following him. So much so that this whole culture starts changing. The apostles come. And these people get saved. They get water baptized. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And their whole lives get changed upside down. How many know that's a good day? That's a good day. Joy came to their city. Amen? Point two. We'll make it through point two. We won't get to the scripture text, but that's why we have next Sunday. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but I want to I close up on some, some things about evangelists, and, and, uh, and I love evangelists. Evangelists are very passionate. They hear the cry of the lost, and I just keep saying that. You're going to see probably next Sunday why I keep talking about hearing the cry. They have... They have uh, the ears to hear. Here's something that a lot of Christians don't get, and, and evangelists have caught a lot of flack for over the years. Evangelists, someone's called to be an evangelist, they enjoy spending time with non-Christians. Like someone else I know in the Bible I read about named Jesus. He caught flack for it too. What is he hanging around those folks for? Doesn't he know who they are? And Jesus said, I didn't come for those who think they're well. I came for those who know that they're sick. I came for those who know that they're lost. So that evangelist who has that beautiful part of Christ that's given to the church loves spending time with non-Christians. Just loves it. He doesn't, not that they don't love or she doesn't love being in church with us because yes, they do. But they're just not, like you're going to see them out and about more, not doing the kumbaya, you know, whatever things going on in the church all the time, they're going to be out like hanging out with a bunch of derelicts. Those people. And the church for a lot of time has given them garbage over that. 
I like to say a different word. Oh, what's so-and-so? They, you know, blah, 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 blah. They did the same thing to Jesus. Doesn't he know any better? Don't they know? Thank God for evangelists. Thank God that there's giftings on people that they were going to spend. And, and, and guess what? Sometimes you've got to have a call for that because it's not fun all the time. Hanging out with a bunch of non-Christians all the time. And good Lord, I'm going to say it. Lord, help me after this. It should not be that it's more fun to hang out with non-Christians than it is to hang out with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to say that again. There's been times in my life I would rather be with some non-Christians because they would treat me better than Christians. That ought not be, church. That ought not be. Evangelists aren't bothered by where God calls them to go and what the people might look like. They're not bothered by that. They've got a part of God's heart, and it draws them and it calls them. They're not bothered by that. All right, Lord, if that's where you said to go, that's where I'm going to go. Okay, I don't understand the culture. I don't understand a bunch of those different things. And, and you don't have to be like a past drug addict to be able to evangelize to drug addicts. Like, there's this beautiful thing called the Holy Spirit, and he, like, will speak to you and tell you and give you things to say, and he's the one who, like, takes hard hearts and softens them. Now, it will help. God will use our past. Thank God for that. He'll use our mistakes in spite of those things. He'll use those, but you don't have to, like, have some horrid um, testimony to be able to evangelize. Because it's Jesus. He's the one who saves. Evangelists are bold with their faith. They're super bold with their faith. And, and to a, almost to a fault, they make it look easy. How many of you ever been there? You've just been around something. Just, man, it just looks easy. They make it look easy. So much so that then we think, oh, I can't do that. No, 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 no. Here's what I'll tell you. It is not easy for evangelists. They have to go over, they have to conquer their fear, just like you do. They have to conquer the fact that they're going to be made fun of. They have to overcome the fact that somehow, shape, or form, someone's probably going to misunderstand what they're doing. They have to overcome all the same things that we do. They just have a, a I will say this, there's a, there is a larger pull in them, and, and a, their heart is being rent more than the average folk. So that they will purposely not just go out and reach the lost but build and equip and train the church and pour that into the church you with me oftentimes this is the this is the coolest thing oftentimes healings and deliverance will accompany the evangelist as he or she is obedient to the call to go and church oftentimes healings miracles deliverance will accompany us as we're obedient to the call to go. We'll see that next week in, in next week's message. A true evangelist doesn't matter if it's 10,000 people or one. We like to make celebrities out of evangelists today. And it's honestly, it's not even sometimes their fault. Like we, it's not their fault that they're, they're not going like, I need to be somebody special but we will begin idolizing people, and sometimes we would put people up on pedestals because they are gifted in an area. Um, but a true evangelist, they're going to sit for two and a half hours with one person the same amount as they would for 10,000 people they're standing on a platform for. 
they're not caring about how many is coming or not. It's not about puffing themselves up so they can say, well, we had 10,000 people attend our service. No, they know who the star, rock star is, and his name is Jesus. The evangelist is, is, is going out for those who are probably not going to give them an offering. That will preach. We're, when I was going to the jails for 10 years, it's the funniest thing. Like, they don't have money. Like, you don't take an offering. It's like, it, I don't know, most Christians wouldn't know what to do. Like, well, we, we didn't take an offering. Like, did we have church? Yeah, we had church. We did, just didn't take an offering. Like, like, that evangelist isn't going out there because it's like a great paying gig. They're going out there because they heard the call. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against, like, I think Todd White is one of the greatest evangelists of our day to challenge us to see that, like, and that dude, everywhere he goes, like, his wife hates going anywhere with him. It's going to be a two- or three-hour affair. He's going to stop. The waiter's going to get talked to. The, I mean, it's just, it's, an evangelist just sees people that are lost everywhere around him. That's like, and, and why wouldn't I tell them? Church, we need folks like that around us. We need to be motivated and challenged like that so that they're rubbing off on us. And, 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 and this is what we don't like. Like an evangelist will literally sometimes, because of the truth that is spoken, make you feel like, I don't even know if I'm saved. Thank God for that. Because church, if you are so asleep that you do, your heart does not break for the lost anymore. I don't know if you are. Is that real? Church, hear me. I'm speaking truth like this because the day's getting short. Are you ready? He, Jesus specifically gave us stories of the ten virgins. Five were asleep. They were all virgins. Five were left. It's time to wake up. Don't be caught asleep. If your heart isn't breaking for the lost, then you need to get around some evangelists. You need to say, will you pray with me? Will you encourage me? Will you strengthen me? You know what they're going to say? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. They cry out for personal responses to the cross. There's a very simple message that evangelist has. It's the cross. I don't know any good evangelists that don't preach the cross. And people get tired of hearing the message of the evangelist. Well, that's all they ever talk about. That's all they ever preach. That's all they ever preach. They just preach about they got to get saved. They just preach the cross. They just keep, it's all about the cross. Yeah, last time I checked, it is. Their heart is, it's about the cross. It's about redemption. It's about people coming in and meeting the one who died for their sins. The one who loved them that much. That's what their message is. And we should never get tired of hearing that message. We should hear that message so much that we could speak it in our sleep. That every single person, we can go boom, boom. Like it shouldn't take you a half hour to figure, well, I don't know what to do. They're lost. Are you serious? It should not be possible that a Christian would not know how to lead someone else to the Lord. 
Well, I better change subject. I feel like we're getting into some roughness. <laughs> no, it's the truth, though. The, the early church, oh, my Lord, persecution hit them, and they just quit. They're like, church, would we, could we do that? Could the American church today, if persecution hit like it is around the rest of the world, would you stand strong and tall and in the midst of it be reaching out to other people who are perishing saying, don't go. Jesus is real. He's going to be with us through this. I've seen him walk me through things before. Don't, don't be afraid. That's the church that he's looking for. The question that keeps the evangelists up at night is our new people hearing the gospel and coming into the kingdom. There's really one question for them. Our new people hearing the gospel and coming into the kingdom. And if it's no, their question is why not? Why not? Church, there's no good response for no. So I told you at the beginning of the year, I felt the Lord start beginning to say, it's time to build. You can build now. This is going to be how we build. I'm not trying to get converts from other churches. Now, don't get me wrong. I, think I, I, I don't think I know I went way too strong when I first started. I think I shoved some people away <laughs> that were coming from other churches because I didn't want to be known as someone who was taking someone else's flock. And I'd finally, the Lord told me after a, a funeral of all things, I had about four people come up and say, man, I really got fed by your message. And I was like, I didn't preach. I like read three verses. And it so stirred me. I was like, oh my God, there's people starving. So the Lord said, hey, how about quit shoving people away that are coming from other places? Okay. But church, my heart is to not get people from other churches. Let's build the church, the kingdom. Let's get people, like the way the early church said to do it. You go win the lost. Because I'll tell you what, like if you get a bunch of people, like I love going to the jail for this reason. If I can get four or five guys in that jail saved, like I was, we will flip some worlds upside down. Like, I'm cool with the ones that are all jacked up. Because when they get saved, they're excited. When they get saved, they know, like, dude, he saved me from something. They're like, I am not the same anymore. They're actually happy and excited about what Jesus did for them. So I'm really cool with getting people lost that were dirty, that all of a sudden get clean. They've been washed by the blood. And they know the only reason that they have hope is him. Like, I'd love a church full of people like that. What about you? Like, it's fun being around Christians who are babies, who are like, sometimes they slip out little words that they shouldn't, and they're like, oh, no. It's like, it's okay. The fact that you were like, oh, no, is the Holy Spirit that just convicted you. Yay! <laughs> Instead of going, what's wrong with you? You can't say that. Stop. Each one of us have this beautiful thing. He's called the Holy Spirit, and he's our convictor, and you don't have to be. The Holy Spirit does an amazing job of it. That doesn't mean we won't come alongside of someone when they're struggling. But look, with babies, you don't have to tell them, like, they're going to make a mess. It's going to smell sometimes. They're going to need someone to love on them and clean them and feed them. That's called the work of the ministry. I better quit preaching or we're not going to eat. Yeah. Well, I'll, 
Next, next week, I'm going to preach about sometimes the evangelists aren't, aren't the ones that you want to leave your babies with. <laughs> because they'll hear, hear other people lost and they'll forget about the babies and run after them. But that's why it's not just about a one single ministry. You have the others that come alongside that are going to teach those babies. They're going to care for those babies. So the evangelist could go out and get more and train more people. But then these guys are going to train in their giftings. And the church will be actually mature, looking like the picture Jesus said it's supposed to look like. Amen? What a day that will be. Amen? Well, looking around, it looks like everyone um, is a believer, unfortunately. <laughs> right? That's a good thing to say. That's a good thing to say. Thank God. Now, hey, we have evangelists in the church. Um, I thank God it's not just the pastor. Like, I got, I got a testimony this week. Um, Candy was sharing, she said, hey, I just want you to know, you can add one to the list. I was, I was able to share with someone this week. I ministered to them, and they, got, they received Jesus. So we're able to give them some Bibles and give them some equipping. Like, it's happening. The church, seriously, like, Jesus is so awesome. If we really believe how awesome he is, this place would be full, like, next week. We passed Dr. Paul's, and I don't know if I like him praying this, but he's been praying for a little while that the church would have four and five services. I'm like... Okay, God bless you, but I don't know who's preaching all those. <laughs> but, hey, that's a great problem. Like, it's a real thing that probably should happen, like, quickly. And will happen if we actually do the work of the ministry. Amen? So I hope you've been challenged today. More than that, I hope you do it. Lord, I pray today of all days that the words that have went out would be acted upon. You said if we don't take the word and apply it, that our foundation is sand. We build upon a solid foundation when we apply the truth, when we apply the word. So Lord, I pray that we have a very strong foundation in this area. Lord, that we all go out and we're able to listen with ears to hear. Not just eyes, but ears to hear the cries of those who are lost. And Lord, we could very easily say, can I pray with you? That we would challenge the Holy Spirit as we do that. You are more than able to give us words of wisdom, insight, healing to those who are broken. And we can say, that's Jesus. Do you know him? Would you like to? Every single one of us have been given the great commission. Lord, I pray we are, we are people who are tired and done just hearing it, that we would do it. I pray for Holy Spirit conviction. Not to tear anyone up, conviction that brings us to you, that encourages us. Lord, I know that you will be faithful as we go. You will accompany us. You will strengthen us. You will give us the word that is in season. Lord, those who think I don't have that personality, I thank you, Lord, that you've given each one of us a unique personality that we will be able to reach other people like us. 
that we have something in common with. I pray, Lord, open up doors. I pray that you would make it so plain this week, especially this week, that we would see the opportunity, that it would shine like a neon sign. It would flash on and off, and we'd have such conviction that we would have to share, even if we're shaken. We thank you, Jesus, that you loved us enough that you sent someone for us. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of different ones in my life, Lord, who kept sharing their faith when it looked like it was hopeless. Thank you for them, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be dismissed this today.